From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, November 10th. After a summer of intense wildfires, the need for fire management seems greater than ever. Smoke from California fires made it to Moab, and the Pack Creek Fire destroyed homes and raged through the forest just outside of town. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom went out with a team from the Bureau of Land Management on a prescribed burn meant to make fire season a little less intense. And there's four extra torches in the back of my uh, pickup. I copy that. I can grab them. I'm driving along a bumpy dirt road on Ray Mesa, right on the Colorado border. There's pinyon pine and juniper, underbrush like sage and serviceberry are growing against old-growth ponderosa pines. That underbrush is getting a little too thick if you ask Clark Mon. He's the fire management officer for the BLM's Canyon Country District out of Moab. You know, we've got an old-growth ponderosa stand in this drainage, the ponderosa pine, and over time, um, without you know natural fires coming through, the, the underbrush grows up to create ladder fuels to where if a wildfire is to come through, it would catch those ladder fuels on fire and then it would um, kill the ponderosa. It would actually, the fire would get into the ponderosa canopy and, and kill those trees. And they're nice old trees in here. We don't want that to happen. Today, two dozen firefighters are burning around 19 acres of potential fuel for wildfires. In the distance, we can see the LaSalle Mountains. Last summer, the Pat Creek Fire burned through 10 structures and thousands of acres on that range. Part of the work today is meant to prevent a similar burn. Yeah, it's important, and there's a wildland-urban interface component to this as well. So on top of, you know, protecting the Ponderosa stand that's in here, there are private residences out here on Ray Mesa, both um, west and south of us here. Firing. We're here. Firefighters are slowly walking between the ponderosa pines, dripping flames from big red cans onto the underbrush. So what they've got, um, those red cans they're holding are called drip torches. Historically, fire would have naturally come through here every probably 5 to 25 years in a ponderosa pine stand like this. So um, with us suppressing fire for over 100 years, it's been basically, okay, fire's been removed from the environment and these are what we call fire-dependent ecosystems. So we're basically just doing what nature would naturally done if we hadn't been putting fires out. That's Brad Washa. He's a state fuel specialist for BLM Utah. And he says the Ponderosa have evolved to handle a certain amount of fire. But if it's too intense, then the fire can reach the canopy and kill the tree. So within the BLM, as far as state of Utah, Roughly the last three or four years, we've been treating over 100,000 acres a year. Not just prescribed burning, but mechanical treatments. So going in there with chainsaws and thinning it out and piling it or having large masticators come through. We've completed a million and a quarter acres throughout all of Utah since the National Fire Plan, which was, what, 2002. Charles Fisher wrote the burn plan here using modeling systems, and he helped dig a protective fire line. Fireline is a 18-inch scrape down to mineral soil uh, that pulls fuels away from the actual fire. So there's a break uh, between the fuels and the other side. Moab got a good dose of uh, the wildfire this year, and the reality has really hit on how important the fuels work is to do. Fisher worked on the Pack Creek Fire, along with a number of others here. So far this year, there's been over 1,000 wildfire reports in the state, which about matches our 10-year average. Here's J.B. Clay, another firefighter. 
He has a message for homeowners. You know, I've only been doing this since 2006, and just in my short career, I've seen a huge change in the last 15 years. Fire seasons are running longer, fires are getting bigger and more severe, and you know, we can do what we can, but we can't work miracles. So I, I would like to encourage any and local homeowners to make sure they have good defensible space around their home and the event of a wildfire, there's a, you know, it creates a buffer zone that we can get in as firefighters and work with. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. You can find more information on creating defensible space and other fire preparedness tips at the Utah Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands website. We'll have a link in the show notes. Tribal officials are sounding the alarm about climate change's disproportionate impacts on their communities. The Mountain West News Bureau's Robin Vincent reports. Tribal leaders say the region's historic drought is wrecking havoc on the land and altering a way of life long centered on hunting and fishing. Jordan Dresser is chairman of the Northern Arapaho Tribe. He says short springs in Wyoming have led to longer wildfire seasons. But he sees some bright spots when it comes to tackling climate change. It's pushing us to really tap into our indigenous power and our indigenous knowledge. Dresser cited the tribe's buffalo herd. He says they recently birthed their first calf, and ensuring the herd's vitality is one way for the northern Arapaho to become sustainable and reconnect to Native culture. Now tribal communities are anticipating billions in funding from the federal infrastructure bill. It includes money for climate adaptation and resilience, wildfire mitigation, and clean energy. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Robin Vincent. The bipartisan infrastructure bill passed by the House last week is headed to the desk of President Biden. Once it's signed, it'll bring billions to Western water projects. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. It's up to federal agencies to figure out where exactly that funding will go, but a big chunk is headed for the Colorado River Basin. $300 million will help implement drought contingency plans. Alex Funk with the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership says it's a generational investment in water issues. You know, it's very helpful in terms of addressing some of our built infrastructure issues out west. It's going to be great in terms of water conservation, reuse. I'd say the Build Back Better Act has a lot more in it that's going to go towards helping the basin adapt to climate change. That second funding package is stalled in the House. If passed, it would contain about $150 billion for climate resilience projects. I'm Alex Hager. Utah is well known for its dinosaur fossils. So why does the state have so many? Amy Van Tatenhove, with our partners at Utah Public Radio, has this report. Randy Ermis, a paleontologist at the Utah Natural History Museum, spends a lot of time exploring Utah's vast fossil record. He says one reason we found so many fossils in Utah is because much of the state's land is barren, making fossils easy to spot. The fact that Utah's a fairly dry state works to our advantage because we don't have tons of vegetation. And also the fact that we're a largely rural state helps out too. So Turns out parts of New York City have rocks with dinosaur fossils in them, but you know no one's going to allow you to undermine the foundation of uh, some, some giant building there, right? In addition to being numerous, Utah's fossil discoveries have a long history. First of all, we know that indigenous peoples in Utah have been finding and recognizing fossils for thousands of years. We've got rock art of dinosaur footprints and things like that. 
in the early and mid 19th century, there are many different expeditions related to the US Army and things that came through. And many of them had naturalists associated with them that collected fossils. In fact, one expedition found multiple bones from a single dinosaur near Moab, an uncommon and impressive find for the times. Utah isn't just home to dinosaur bones. The state used to be covered by an ancient sea, and as a result, we're known for our wide variety of marine fossils, including fish, corals, and strange mounds of algae called stromatolites. One of the really cool things about the Great Salt Lake from a fossil perspective is it's got living stromatolites, and stromatolites are some of our oldest fossils in the geologic record, so it's pretty cool because there's these living stromatolites, and then some of the rocks here have stromatolites that are like over 600 million years old. I'm Amy Van Tatenhove. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, November 10th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.